death, taxes, and the Jets losing in Foxborough. But these Patriots are 0-4 at home this season. Can Gangrene return from their bye and win their second game of the year and beat the Pats for the first time in 10 years in Foxborough? We preview the game and make our predictions. Our special guest will be in the Jets' backfield for the game. That would be running back Ty Johnson joining the show. Plus, Jay Lay's plays for Week 7 in the NFL. Good to be back after the bye. Lots to do next on Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back to Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here alongside my co-host, Jets beat writer for the Post, Brian Costello. You get Kaz's insider coverage, the extra coverage, the Post Sports Plus. Get your free membership now. NYPost.com slash Sports Plus. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at Brian Kaz. Give us that five-star rating right now on Apple Podcasts and write in a nice review. We appreciate your support. I think Dr. Corleone wrote in a review because I know it's Orlandoni, but it's more fun saying Corleone. And he said chicken parm is on him at the end of the season. I'm pretty sure that was him, <laughs> unless someone else said that. But uh, he said, I think the initials, it, it looked like his name. So, All right. Uh, I think I have, a, I have an appointment coming up, so I'll let you know. Yeah, ask if it was him and, and tell him I will take him up on that chicken parm offer any day of the week. We're excited to chat later in the show with Jets running back Ty Johnson. I like Ty Johnson. I hope he gets opportunities this Sunday. He got those opportunities when he faced the Patriots the first time. So let's hope he has a good game coming off his gang's all-year appearance. Looking forward to that. We'll also dive into the betting lines and fantasy with Jeremy Layton of the New York Post to wrap up the show. But Kaz, a week off, um, I almost forgot about the Jets. It was like they won. It was like (laughs) no game is a win for the Jets. How was your week off? Did you take some time off from the Jets? Yeah, I did. It was nice. It was nice. Relaxing Sunday, watching some other teams play, and that's always enjoyable. But it's funny, Jake, and I I wrote this in the Post Plus newsletter this week. You sit there, and it's like, oh, there's an ex-Jet. There's an ex-Jet. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot he's on this team. It's amazing how many ex-Jets are are out there and like some prominent ones. You know, Jamal Adams on Sunday night obviously was featured. The Sam Darnold, the Carolina game was a good game and was on red zone for a while there with Sam and Robbie Anderson and and obviously Leonard Williams on the Giants. Kelvin Beecham's on the Cardinals. You know, Le'Veon Bell scored a touchdown for the Ravens. There's ex-Jets everywhere, Jake. And they all have prominent roles in doing something good. Not all, not all. I mean, Le'Veon Bell doesn't have a prominent role. Listen, a few weeks ago i was watching frankie louvu make tackles i'm like he blocked a punt he blocked a punt in the carolina game oh my god i mean frankie louvu is all over the field yeah and all he was doing with the jets was celebrating a tackle and they were down 40 oh my god you still haven't gotten over that huh i still have nightmares over that moment freaking frankie (laughs) louvu so yeah they are all over the place and i shouldn't say it feels good but it's nice to see Darnold come back down to earth because I know a lot of Jets fans <laughs> were jumping off a cliff after the 3-0 start. Now 3-3, three and three, things are normalized a little bit. He had one of, you know, he had some bad games with the Jets. That was awful. I mean, I think he was like 14 for 38 or, or something yeah, bad. He had a couple of moments game. late, but yeah, he nice got close. Late. But still, he, overall, that's a terrible game. I don't have a vote for MVP, Jake, but you can make an argument. Christian McCaffrey's MVP <laughs> because of what, what they've looked like with him and without him. It's just like that's shows you when you have a guy like that in the backfield what it does for a quarterback 
and what a security blanket he was for Sam in those first few games. And now without him, that offense is just completely different, completely. And like, you know, we've gone over it a hundred times with what was it here with Sam Darnold? Was it Adam Gaze holding him back? Was it the lack of weapons holding him back? Was it just him? And I think you see it. Like, this is who he is. When he has a better supporting cast around him, like Christian McCaffrey, he can play better than what he showed a lot of the time here. But when he doesn't, he's reverting back to what, pretty much what we saw here. I think his QB rating is now just like one point higher than his and his career rating and his, his completion percentage is right around the same too. And you looked at these, you know, like you said, that piece you did for Post Sports Plus. You got to subscribe if you want to read it. You talked about a lot of these Jets all over the place. Who were some of the notable ones that, you know, have been good, have been bad elsewhere that you addressed? Yeah, I think, you know, Leonard Williams, I started with him. Yeah, I think he's been pretty good for the Giants. Uh, he's very good against the run. He, he has three sacks. Now, I think this season he's got 15 with the Giants in two and a half years after 17 and four and a half years with the Jets. Don't boo him, though. He'll get mad at you. Don't, Don't boo him. him. He'll get mad at you, yes. Um, but I think you. I think if you picture him in this solid defense, you know, that defensive line is very good already. But, like, if you had Quinn and Williams and Leonard Williams next to each other, that's pretty tough right there in the middle of the defense. So that's looking like the Giants may have won that trade. The Jets to have Ashton Davis and Michael Carter, the cornerback, are the picks that they got in that trade, who they used them on, which Carter's shown some promise, but he's only a few, you know, a few games into his career, and Davis has battled injuries. But Leonard has really been very good. You know, Jamal is the headliner. I, I think the Jets won that trade. Getting two first-round picks for a safety, you know, who doesn't really affect the ball, is huge to me. You know, Don't Jamal. tell that to him, because his intro, he said, I'm the best in the nation on uh, yeah, Sunday Night Football. But that, did you, do you know what that reference was, Jake? What was that from? So there's a there's a um, a player who is from Florida. I can't remember where he went to college, but he was shot and killed. And there's a he, there was like a famous YouTube video of him, and he said that when he was in high school. He said, "I'm the best in the nation," and it's kind of like it was kind of like a funny meme type of thing. And so I think Jamal was either paying tribute to the guy or, you know, so it wasn't quite what people took it as. But anyway, he still had a ball go off his face and he has, <laughs> he has no interceptions in his time in Seattle. Last year, he had nine and a half sacks. This year, he has no sacks, no quarterback hits. They haven't really been using him the same way they used him last year. I think they'll adjust. He's going to be a good player. He, he's always a good player, but he's not worth two first round picks. And Joe Douglas got that. So I think he wins that one. Robbie Anderson's another one, Jake, who's been, you know, had a good season last year. He has not performed well for Carolina this year. I was critical of that move where they let him walk in free agency but right now it's not looking like he's much of an impact player for the Panthers well it seems like since that big touchdown against the Jets he's been lifeless because I know because he's on my he's been riding my fantasy bench oh. for most yeah, of the year he had touchdown Sunday right he had the, the game tying touchdown Sunday yeah that quarter, might have been his first score since the big play against the Jets he, yeah he's got a lot of drops and he hasn't been happy you know, he got into an argument with his position coach a few weeks ago on the sideline, didn't talk to the media after the game Sunday. So he's been a little grumpy too. And they obviously gave him a contract this summer. So that one's not looking very good for the Panthers right now. I love that you had the touching tribute and then you're like, and then he had a ball hit off his face. Like, <laughs> yeah. Funny. Well, I, you can criticize Jamal for a lot of things, like including, I, I, I think people misunderstood that, that opening. Uh, I do think, I don't think it was what it seemed, but he's not playing very well right now. We just assumed with his track record and, you know, he's outspoken and the ego a little bit that that might've been the case, but another former jet who's actually helping them out very much is Gina Smith because yeah, there you Gina, go. the strip sack, you know, 
I hate that we're going to Tankathon, but you, you know, you did tweet it yesterday is that the Jets have the sixth pick of their own, and then they would have the Seahawks, which is right now 10. I think that's going to improve. You know, Russell Wilson's already doing, you know, imaginary snaps and, and high five and, you know, clapping. It's kind of weird because he's no, it doesn't seem like he's anywhere near ready, but he's trying to practice and get back because Gino is a turnover machine. And over time, he gets exposed. And while he hasn't been atrocious, he's had a couple of turnovers that have cost them, and he's helping them. 10th pick right now thanks to Geno Smith so we'll see where Seattle ends up I'd be shocked if they are anywhere pretty close to the top 10 but that'll depend on when Russell Wilson gets back but there's a former Jet doing them well yeah and it's a tough division Jake I mean that that's that division is probably the best in football I'm just trying to do it in my head is there anyone that's better than them I mean the Cardinals are 6-0 and you know the Seahawks we expect to be better the 49ers we think, you know, when they get Garoppolo back, they'll be pretty good. And the Rams are one of the best teams in football as well. So that division is tough. So, yeah, I don't think they'll be 10th, but I don't think they're going to be 28th. When that trade went down, that was one of the criticisms. It was like, oh, you traded with Seattle. They're always in the playoffs. They're always good. Like that, those picks aren't going to be any good. Well, you know, last year's was in the low 20s. And then they ended up trading it for to move up to get Barrett Tucker. And I think this one could be, you know, I, I don't think it'll be 10, but I think this realistically could be in the teens for sure speaking of trades you know it's something you addressed to the the post sports plus article trade deadlines november 2nd i guess it depends here what happens against the patriots sunday but what direction does joe douglas take does he try to trade a crowder may does he try and buy and get a cornerback does he get a tight end what what do you think joe douglas does I think he tries to trade away. I think Crowder and May are the two most prominent ones, but I think you're you're open to a lot of, you know, a lot of, like last year. They they traded away some veteran pieces. Anyone who don't you don't think is going to be part of this team in 2022 is on the on the block in my mind. That's Car- that's Crowder, that's May. I don't think those guys will be here next year. So, if you can get something for them now, you do it. In terms of acquiring, like I wouldn't rule it out. I I wrote that like if someone presents itself like a tight end is available that you think you'd like and and you think you'd want to sign to be here next year. You have the draft capital now to do that. Like that's part of acquiring all these draft picks isn't just drafting players. It's also having capital to make some moves. So I, you know, I wouldn't be stunned. Like tight end to me is the one that's, that really jumps out. You mentioned cornerback. They've been pretty good at cornerback right now. I don't know if it's going to last, but it's been good so far. I think Bryce Hall's played well, but tight end to me is a position that's just been a black hole for them for a while. And if there's someone out there that's available, I would think, about it yeah it's incredible how poor they've been at tight end i mean even the fact that we look back fondly of dustin keller who didn't even do a ton but showed some semblance of being able to catch a football and get down the field i mean the fact that you know the tight end wasn't even pro bowl or we just hope for some competence i mean even missing our guy anthony becht yeah who wasn't great but he was decent and serviceable it's been a while. Well, the Jets will face the Patriots this week in Foxborough Sunday at 1 o'clock. And the Jets are 1-4, and the only time they've made the playoffs after a 1-4 start came in 2002. So it's been about 20 years since they've been able to right the ship. Obviously, we don't expect this team to get anywhere close to the playoffs. But, Kaz, you hope in the, the bye week they can make some changes, get off to quicker starts. Like you always say, they were great with Adam Gase on the first drive scoring. they got to get off to quicker starts, stop burying themselves in a hole like they did. When they faced the Patriots, listen, what is it? Three of the first five passes from Zach Wilson were interceptions. His first two were picks. 
against the Patriots in a game that otherwise they didn't play atrocious, but they were so bad offensively in terms of, of Zach. They ran the ball well. They played good defense. They lost 26-6. They probably could have lost 46-6, but there's got to be changes to start the game because that's demoralizing not only for the defense having to come back out on the field, but just the mentality of the team being down early week after week after week, not exactly going in a halftime with high spirits. It also affects play calling, Jake. You know, you're playing from behind now, so you get away from the run more on offense. You start saying, like, especially, you know, against Atlanta, they fell behind 17 nothing really quickly. So now it's like, okay, we've got to get chunks. we got to pass the ball more. You know, the, uh, the opposing defense can start taking more chances. They have a lead, so they can blitz more and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, they, they have to figure it out. They, they talked about they spent the bye week studying it. You know, Robert Salas said they made some subtle changes to the practice schedule that we won't even notice. But, you know, they they got to do some things here. We we got to see, too, what they do personnel-wise, Jake. Do they get Elijah Moore more involved? Do they get Denzel Mims more involved? They, they have to try some things early in this game, I think, to, to jumpstart the offense. Because if they come out and score no points again and are losing to the Patriots in the second quarter, I think just the air is going to come out of the balloon here. Andrew, mark it down. There's the Denzel Mims reference. Every episode, we yeah. have to get his have name in. This is why he's hot. Denzel Mims, he's in the building. We won't address more than that, but I'm glad you mentioned it because it's it's meeting the gangs all here quota that we do talk about Denzel Mims every week. And listen, I hope we see him get a, a 50-yard bomb for a touchdown, something from our guy Denzel Mims. And what do we think about Makai Becton? I guess he's not ready yet. Are we going to see him any time in the next couple of weeks here? I think he's probably, probably sometime in the next month, Jake, if you look at it. I mean, he had the surgery after week two, he suffered the injury after week one. But remember, he went for some second opinion. So the surgery was after the second game, after that Patriots game, which was like, I want to say his surgery is probably around September 20th. They said four to eight weeks at that time. So we're right about we're right at four weeks right now as we're recording this. So that was to me, four weeks was never going to really happen. So I think it'll be, you know, I think you're, you're, you'll see signs like if he's out on the field jogging today on a side field or something, that's a good sign that we haven't seen him outside yet. So I think you'll see signs and then there'll probably be a few weeks from there, you know, when they get him out doing some stuff with the trainers. He has not been outside. We, we are outside here in this pandemic. The next season's back. I am so hyped for the garden to be rocking again and you know we'll see gillette stadium rocking on sunday or will we they are zero and four the patriots at gillette this year it is so weird they're two and oh on the road they're zero and four at home this seems like the perfect recipe to get the first win when you take on the jets are seven point favorites over unders around 42 and a half 1 p.m cbs andrew catalan and james lofton on the call and the patriots sukas here coming off a devastating 35 29 loss i was actually so we were doing the blue rush podcast from the sports book next to the stadium and i was watching that and watching that game around degenerate gamblers is truly a miraculous experience it took and the spread was three and a half too so it was like all right a field goal if you got the cowboys doesn't do anything you don't get it so i had parlays either way i was actually going to win either way it was either i was going to win 70 if the patriots uh covered plus three and a half or i was going to win 140 if the cowboys covered minus three and a half and the cowboys covered on that touchdown pass but seeing people's reactions and also seeing how many cowboys fans you know in the area it is amazing how many cowboys fans there are in this just country i guess i hate that they're called america's team but it is unreal how many fans there are out there and just seeing the twists and turns of that game were pretty remarkable. And first time these teams play, they did not truly dominate the Jets. If Zach Wilson is mistake-free, that's a closer game like 
I said, got to establish the run, Kaz, like they did. Ran for over 150 yards. Our guest today, Ty Johnson, Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman, they had everyone contribute. They got to get back to that, you know, make life easier for Zach. You know, I know the Jets have lost 10 straight to the Patriots. I know their last win was 2015. I know the last win in Gillette came in the playoffs in 2011, but this is not your mom and pop's Patriots anymore. This isn't an unwinnable game for the Jets. Play mistake-free, and they could compete and make this close, maybe win this football game. Well, I have a few thoughts there, Jake. You went a few different directions. You know, first of all, you had a parlay for either way. I'm gonna let me get that straight for Patriots and Cowboys, right? Is that right? I had a couple like overs mixed in there, other okay. from other games that hit, and but yeah, I was just doing a variety of things. You were, so. you started this off referring to degenerate gamblers <laughs> as sort of like people you were looking at and not the mirror, right? I mean, I, I did two of those. One, the the one for more money was twenty. The one at the Pages one is just a ten dollar. I was I wasn't betting like these people probably fifty hundred, but yes, I guess I belong in that category. Okay, right? all right. It seems sounds like you fit in at the sports book there, Jay. Yes, yeah, I'm home. Yes, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a weird feeling looking at a game in New England and thinking the Jets have a chance. I'll be honest with you, I've covered a lot of games there where they had no chance. This, this game has been a lot of the times has been the last game of the season. Like the Jets have played at New England, at the, and it's been the end of miserable seasons. Todd Bowles' final game was there. Adam Gase's final game was there. There was Bryce Petty starting there. Usually it's like the last week, and you don't even know who the players are because there's so many injuries that the Jets are just rolling guys out there. You know, this will be my first game covering there, Jake, where number 12 isn't on the other side. And I've covered a lot of Jets games there. I've covered a lot of playoff games there where he was there. I didn't cover last year because of COVID. I didn't go. That's going to be a weird feeling, too, is just not seeing him come out and not hearing Jay-Z playing when he runs out in the field. And, you know, I'm curious to see what the experience is like at Gillette post-Brady now and and post dynasty basically what is the jay-z song that plays when he comes out you being the rap aficionado that you are please allow me to reintroduce myself and he comes running out yeah so. uh, do you want to continue i i enjoyed your bars there you yeah were i can keep going i can keep going jake if my name want. is hove yeah I'll let you know, but he he and like he would run out and do the, the do the fist bump you know and the whole crowd would go nuts so i'm curious to see what the atmosphere is like at gillette without him there because you almost knew exactly when what's songs they were going to play at what time and what they like what they do there to get the crowd hyped i'm curious if it's, it's the same and yeah i mean looking at the game i agree with you jake the jets should have been in that game the first time but four interceptions killed them they played well other than other than that they played pretty well 150 yards rushing that was really their only good game rushing the ball you know but i think you know now Belichick's going to make adjustments and, and probably they won't be as successful running the ball this time. He took Corey Davis away in week two. Can they get Corey Davis going again? Can they get him the ball? Crowder will help play in this game. That, that's going to be a benefit. But yeah, it's, it's time for the Jets to come up with some answers to their problems. And Michael Floor and Robert Sala have to have to come out strong here and, and get off to a good start. I think that would definitely give this team a lift and maybe lift some of the tension off that, that they're feeling. Cause they've got to be feeling it with this first quarter thing. It's not just outside. We're talking about it. It was the first thing Salah said after the game in London was we have to figure this out. So they're feeling it right now. Yeah. And I'm curious to see the atmosphere when you're Owen Ford home from the fans, you know, the building must be a little bit deflated. Sorry, I had to do it one time. Oh, uh, yeah, boo. <laughs> boo. And he's getting booed off the field, folks. Yeah, Jesus, he's like Zach Wilson in week like, two in a home opener. You can complain like Leonard Williams now. <laughs> 
Good God. We got to stop with New York athletes complaining about booing. How about you win some goddamn games? Enough booing. You had one of the worst embarrassing performances in the history, and we had to do a podcast after it. About four people showed up because everyone went home at 3 o'clock in the third quarter. I mean, stop. You're getting booed when you play that terrible, and your team is 1-5. It's going to happen. Deal with it. You got $21 million you can wipe your ass with and wipe your tears with instead of the Kleenex. Wow. Wipe your tears with $100 bills. How about that? Wow. Jake, I just want to let you know, too, I have not removed my name for consideration for the Mets general manager job. I am. <laughs> if if Sandy does call me, I will take the call. Okay. Oh, my goodness. I'm thinking Mr. Met is going to be the literal Mets president. He's going to suit up. He's going to take the hat off and reveal who he is because that's just a whole other story. My goodness. Ever, uh, there was the joke that this the guy who used to play was like a, a used car salesman or something. Had no interest in the job. I'm like, all right, Jesus, just hire me. I'll I'll, I'll turn this franchise around. Wait till the, wait till the oh. Celtics win by 30. You're going to be miserable. Oh, no. Please, no. Oh, God. I'll be up in the blue seats. Ron Duguay will be courtside waving at me with his big pieces of shrimping and you know wave them in my face all right jets patriots let's make our picks for this game seven point spread Kaz, make your pick here i'll go patriots 23 jets 10 i need to see it to believe it that this offense is getting on track and i think doing it against bill belichick is very hard and patriots have a lot of issues but their defense is pretty good despite what dallas did to them you know dallas might be the best offense going i think they're going to come back and try to reestablish that this week i think their pride is probably hurt by how many yards they gave up against the cowboys and now they're looking at the jets and they're going to feast i think this is going to be a really good defensive game for the patriots i think the jets will compete in this one you know they're pretty healthy you know may and davis potentially gerard davis both potentially coming back this week you have crowder like you said so they do have reinforcements here i think they'll keep it close i'm going to go I wouldn't touch this game if you're betting. It's just this could go, you know, either way spread wise. But I'll say 24-17. So if you did bet by the half point. But, yeah, this is a tough one to read because the Jets are coming in refreshed. They're coming off their bye, relaxed. I know Zach Wilson, what, he went with, like, his old college coach or quarterback's coach out. He went home. He said he was going to see him while he was home. Yeah, he went home for a while. You know, they they were here till Wednesday, and then they got to go home, like, Thursday through Sunday. They were home, and he said he was going to see John Beck. That's his uh, his personal quarterback quarterback coach would be a statement game if he went out there went to foxborough kept the patriots defeated at home and wins this game before the jets return home to face cincinnati so i hope they keep it close maybe they win it's not your mom and pop's pats but i'll say 24 17 patriots you know the one time i went to a game there and i went to like the bar next door to watch the playoff game patriots broncos i think the broncos beat them but i went to jets Pat's playoffs when Chad Pennington was quarterback. There is nothing to do around there. One and the one road when the traffic is really bad. Route one miserable. Route one. It is miserable going down there getting to that game what do you do when you go to Foxborough? so i stay in providence jake which isn't that far and i leave very early um but route one has improved since those days since the pennington days they kind of they expand the road they go over into the other lanes like cones and they have more lanes of traffic in there but yeah it, it is not an easy place to get to and yes you, you better stop at that one gas station convenience store on your way in if you you want a drink or a snack or something yeah like what, what do you eat like you give me good food now, recommendations look, at places i don't know if there's any recommendations there besides well, clam chowder maybe somewhere they have built right around the stadium like in the immediate area around the stadium is called patriot place now like that's craft owns that and there's a lot of restaurants and stores and things right there but yeah i don't have any restaurant recommendations for you for foxborough yeah, 
good area. Stroud's got some good stuff. The area is almost like the city field area where you could get a hub, you know, a hubcap and a car that, next yeah. door, but there's not, nothing really around there. But yes, I do remember Patriot Place because that's where I watched the playoff game is is pretty nice. So at least they're they're trying. But the outside area, I guess you just go to Boston. Just get out, just get out of Foxborough as quick as you can. Joining us next here on Gangs All Here is a guy who had success against the Patriots in week two. That'd be Jets running back Ty Johnson. Joining us now on Gangs All Here is the Jets running back in his second season with the team after spending his first year and change in Detroit with the Lions, and he came to Gang Green last season playing 11 games with two touchdowns last year and his first touchdown this season in London. He had a monster 104-yard game last year, and it's the only 100-yard rusher for the Jets since 2018. He's a Maryland Terrapin, baby, where my brother went. Go Terps, tallying 4,196 all-purpose yards for the Terps, which is third in program history. Let's give a warm gangs all here welcome to the pride of cumberland maryland number 25 ty johnson ty welcome to the show jake brown brian costello here how are you i'm good how y'all doing doing well man appreciate you coming on the show looking forward to seeing you run the ground game in foxborough because ty can we beat the goddamn patriots i mean they have beaten us for almost a decade now in foxborough can you lay the hammer down and beat them on sunday Man, I think we're going to get it done. I think I truly believe that. I think, you know, the hammer's going to be late. We owe them one. It's going to be a good game. Ty, I know when we left London, Salah kind of said that day, you know, the, the focus of the bye week is going to be figuring out how to get a quicker start to games in the first quarter. Now that you guys are back and practicing, you know, has that been an emphasis these first few days of this week of, of how to how to get going quicker in games? Oh, for sure. You know, he laid out the schedule for us on uh, both days we've been in so far. And it's been, you know, it's right when we get to practice, you know, we get our warm up in and our activation and we're getting right to it, you know, with team comp uh, periods and uh, going good periods with the one that's definitely been a good process uh, so far this week what's it been like under coach Sally here in his first year we always know him as this guy's clapping and motivating everyone on the sidelines what's his you know first rookie coaching experience been like for you Ty it's been good I mean of all the coaches I've had thus far he's definitely the best one in my eyes he's a guy that you just talk to him and you'd run through a brick wall for him you feel me that's the, the best way I could put it He's just one of those coaches who, like, get it. He cares about his players. He just doesn't want to have them success, but he wants them to be great off the field as well. So he's just one of those coaches you just be like, you know, you want to run through a brick wall for. Ty, watching training camp, the running game looked like it was going to be really good this year with you and with Michael Carter and with Tevin Coleman and with Michael Pirine. You had a really good game again in the first game against New England, 150 yards. The other games have not been as productive. What do you feel like you guys need to do to get the running game going to, you know, the level that you want it to be? really just jump off the ball. If you look back at the Patriots game, we were really just making a new line of scrimmage with our line, you know? We really weren't getting touched. The running backs weren't getting touched until maybe three yards after the ball was snapped. It was just really just jumping off the ball and moving people. When we run off the ball, you know, things are great. And I think, you know, when that happens, the sky's the limit. We just got to run off the ball. That's it. And when we do that, the offense looks great. Like you said, you know, the first game with the Pat, everyone was running off the ball. They are fine off the ball, getting on their block. Everyone's assignments were good. 
all the other games, you know, it might have been one miss here, you know, uh, misread here. So I just really think it's all about everyone rolling, jumping off the ball, and playing fast as hell. Is that what's being discussed, you know, this week in meetings and practice with Coach LaFleur and, and Salah? Is it let's run it down their throats again, and maybe this time we'll, you know, we'll run for another 150 against them? I mean, you definitely, you don't always, like, you want to say that, but also, you know, teams make changes because you already get to play them and everything. So there's definitely we want to run the ball at them and stop the run as well. But you still always got to prepare, be prepared for any, you know, changes in their defense, different schemes they may be running. Running, but it's definitely been, you know, we ran the ball well, really well against them the first time. Why not do it again for sure? Ty, I'm a big play count guy. I like when I when I get look at the box score, I like to look at the number of plays. And you guys really just, you haven't had a lot of plays. And I think that's kind of held this offense back. Is that something you guys have talked about is just trying to find a way to kind of get more plays here and just get, get the offense kind of more into a rhythm? Oh, for sure. It's about sustaining drives. I forget what it was, the stat was, but I think it was whatever, however many games it was, we had a certain amount of plays in the first quarter. And, you know, that just comes down to us sustaining drives. You know, we get third and second or third and five. Those are the downs we need to get. And if it's third and long, you know, it's a down that we we just got to get it to sustain drives, keep our defense off the field and keep the offense going. That's definitely been something that's been discussed throughout the first few games we've had already. Just, you know, getting the ball rolling because we always come out in the second half, as you can see through the stat and the play count, that, you know, we're having way more productivity and plays coming in the second half. So it's definitely about sustaining drives and playing keep away as well. What's the dynamic in the running back room? You got a rookie in Michael Carter who's been explosive. You got you, a third-year guy who's had some success, and you have a veteran in Tevin Coleman. Is Tevin teaching you guys? Is he taking you under his wing? Are you taking Michael Carter under his wing? What's the dynamic between you guys? Oh, it's, it's been great. The dynamic's great. You know, we all talk, you know, like, Chico is a great enough player. Like, he'll take coaching from MC or me, and he's a great leader as well. Like, he's going to coach us up. Like, I'll ask questions about certain runs and this look, and he's going to drop it, drop it on a layman terms, and he's going to be like, this is what you got. Don't anything else this is the look everyone else wipe them off because you got this and he's just been really great and no one has a you know a big ego or very prideful like one of us when one of us speak to each other about a play or something it's like we're always listening and you know giving information this and that what we're seeing from the sideline it's always been you know just a full circle of information and learning and listening really kind of go back to last year for a minute the game against the Raiders that you had you know the biggest cliche that we hear in football is next man up like they people always say that when there's injuries but it doesn't always happen what was that like for you I think it was Frank Gore got a concussion if I remember right early in that game what was it like for you to just to get that chance to be the guy and just get be able to carry the ball that much for the team it was really just like man it's time to roll and I'm ready you know coach Sean Jay and Dally all came up to me like you ready and I was like man put me in like let's get this rolling you know, that was really all it was. You know, they asked me if I was ready, and I just walked onto the field. I was like, yeah, like, it's, what's understood doesn't need to be explained. I just walked on the field. Well, didn't walk. I ran, of course. But um, <laughs> that's what it was, and it's always, you know, just being ready no matter what. Is Zach Wilson ready? You know, he's had the, the game against the Patriots was one we will burn that game tape and never watch again, Ty. But he has had his moments. The game, you know, against the Titans was electric. He clearly has the arm. What's it like playing for him? Are you seeing him progress? Seems like he works hard, watch a lot of tape, and wants to get better. But are you seeing the progression from him as a rookie QB? 100%. I believe in him, and I believe he is ready. We all know there's going to be growing pains with a rookie quarterback. I don't care if you're any other quarterback in the league, rookie year, first year, you're going to have growing pains. That's what comes with it. It's a big change, but I believe he's 
stepped up to the challenge and, you know, he's in here, he's putting in the work, he's progressing every day. He even got with MC, myself, and Chico, and he was like, hey, like, one day we were at, after practice, like, we ran extra plays after practice because he just wanted to get to work with just the running backs himself. So you can see the progression, and I believe in him, and I know a lot of other people on this team believe in him and think he's ready. We just got to give him the opportunity to sustain those drives, get him comfortable, and let him rip the ball, really, just like the Titans game. When was that, tie when you got you guys together? Was that recently? Uh, it was the Titans game, actually. Okay. We, were, we were just, you know, he was a hey guy. Like, can y'all stay after practice? Like, it wasn't even like, you know, we were like, oh, we're good. Let's go do this. And then he actually came over and said, hey, I'd like to get with you guys. And after we broke it down, he was like, I want to get with you guys. Let's get working. We were like, oh, of course, like, no, no doubt. If you want to do this, we can do it. And then uh, obviously, like, you know, going to London, it was a little different because, you know, schedules were kind of cramped up with practice meetings, things of that nature. But he was still, like, talking to us before practice. Like, all right, like, you guys, like, good on this, this and that. And we're like, yeah, you good on this and that. Like, it was just back and forth, back and forth communication. Can we do that every week? I mean, it worked for the Titans game. Let's do the post-practice uh, meeting every week because that uh, was an incredible <laughs> game, Ty. We'd love to see more of that. What did you do uh, during this last week, during the bye week? I went back to Cumberland, Maryland, you know, just spent time with the family, went to a nephew. My nephew's a fly football game, my uncle's high school game, worked on my cars, played with the dogs, uh, made some food with my girl, and uh, I bought an ATV. <laughs> she was with me when I bought an ATV. I like mm. off-roading and stuff, so I bought a little toy. But yeah, it really was just, you know, worked out. You had to work out at least once or twice, you know, you can't just not do anything, of course. It was just really just uh, getting to decompress and reset, really. Ty, I read somewhere, you just mentioned cooking with your girl. I read that you're a big cook. What's your specialty? Specialty now, I keep, I say, I told uh, Tico and MC, I'm going to make them some Nigerian red stew next week. Really, I, I like a lot of different things. Like, you know, um, I, was, I did a podcast, was it Monday, and I was talking about, you know, the chicken parm, you know, butterfly cut the, the chicken breast, bread it, you know, with some panko crumbs, of course, seasoned it. Actually made my girl salmon with a creamy linguine sauce. Mm. Well, a cream, a white cream sauce on, in the, on linguine. And then the sauce had like a wine reduction in it and everything with the white wine and everything. So I, I get active a little bit, you know, a little something, something. Chef Curry with the pot boy. My goodness. He's got everything in the chicken. You, uh, you know, my birth certificate actually says Jake Chicken Parm Brown. So you got me excited when you when you dropped a chicken parm on there. You know, New York has the finest foods, Ty. What in this last year have you been going to? Tao, Lavo, Joe's Pizza. You know, what have, what have you been eating? I haven't had any, like, New York pizza yet, and I actually haven't been out and about that much. I, I went to the restoration, I believe, in New York. That's what it was, the restoration. I went to Char House. That was, like, the first thing I went to, the Char House, because it was on the water. Very good. What was what the place I went to over here in Jersey? It was uh, 90 acres. That was that was a legit, legit meal, for sure. But I haven't, I need to find, like, the, you know, the the foodie spots, the real, like, you know, the good eats, you know. But, you know, we're in season right now, so I try to stay away from all the, the crazy stuff. Well, people love, you know, Julan. People love Joe's Pizza, Bleecker Street Pizza. If you venture out to Queens, I, I'm a big Amore's Pizza in Flushing. The exit after City Field has my favorite New York pizza. But there's just so many spots, Ty. So you got to do some exploring. I'm trying to think. Blue Smoke, if you're a barbecue guy in the city, is always a good spot. If you like a chain spot and you like hibachi, you know, my birthday spot's Benihana. I know it's corny. They say, I love you on the, you know, <laughs> when they cook it. You can't beat a good Benihana. I know that's not New York, but who doesn't love Benihana? 
That was Mariano Rivera's favorite restaurant, Jake. Benihana. Yeah, Benihana was his spot. There's also some good places in Jersey, Ty. You don't have to venture to New York. We got good pizza in Jersey. Don't Jake's a New Yorker, you know, pushing the New York pizza, but there's plenty of good spots close close to Florham Park. Say less, I'm gonna have to find them out. Is there a running back you model yourself after? I mean, when I was in college, the Alvin Kamara's and old school looking at Clinton Portis, things of that nature. But now it's really just, you know, I'm at that level as those guys as well. So it's really just trying to mold like when people you see me running they see someone else running oh he runs like Ty you know that's the type of style I'm trying to get to hopefully with that so it's really been just you know I watch a lot of guys I watch Zeke I watch AK Kishner McCaffrey I watch all those guys Austin Eckler but really it's just trying to make my own own style at the end of the day you hear that guys Ty Johnson's running like Ty Johnson he's he's his own mold right now and uh, you can follow him on Instagram at tjohnson2442. Ty, so great to have you on. Hopefully you could post some of this. The, the salmon linguine thing sounds iconic, so I would love to see <laughs> post these to your IG story so I could at least salivate at you. uh, your cooking, bro. And good luck on Sunday. Beat the Patriots. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Ty. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, we're back for NFL Week 7 this week with Jay Lay's plays with the New York Post. Jeremy Lane, follow him on Twitter at Jeremy Lane with a zero instead of an O at the end. Week 7, best bets, my three-team parlay, and then Jeremy's three fantasy plays for the week. Jay Lay, let's start with your three best bets for the week because you are 7-2 and two so far on the season. Yeah, the pressure's mounting. I got to stay hot. But I really like Eagles plus 3.5 on the road against the Raiders. I know the Raiders won last week. It was the dead cap bounce week for the Raiders after John Gruden resigned um, after that messy situation. Kind of teams always play up after that. Feels like the market is giving them a little bit too much credit for that. I have these two teams, the Eagles and the Raiders, almost identically power rated. The Eagles are a little bit better on offense, uh, slightly better in points per drive and DVOA. Raiders a little better on defense, kind of in the same way, slightly better better in DVOA and points allowed per drive. But I just like three and a half. I still think you need to take the Eagles here, especially if you get the hook. I'm not sure how big the home field advantage is going to be with a team like the Eagles who have a really rabid fan base and they travel really well, kind of like the Bears who kind of packed that house a couple weeks ago. So if three and a half remains the board, I like it for the Eagles a lot this game. The second bet I like is the Falcons minus two and a half on the road at the Dolphins. You don't really love a road favorite, especially for a team like the Falcons. It's not great, but the Dolphins are horrible. I mean, I have them five or six points worse in Atlanta. You'd think they would have a home field advantage here, but by coming back from London last week, they don't have a bye, which that could kind of mess them up internally. I'm kind of surprised that that didn't happen. I think it's I think they didn't want the bye, but Falcons are coming off a bye. They'll be they'll have Calvin Ridley back. They're kind of improving a little bit as Arthur Smith's offensive kind of mentality is melded with his players. But the Dolphins are just a disaster right now. They're one of the three or five worst teams in the league. Take this as long as it stays under three. I also don't hate the under 47 and a half. Two crappy offenses, two defenses. Yeah, they aren't really going to stop anyone, but I, I'd, I'd like that under two. My third bet, Bengals plus six on the road. It's the third road team. I don't love that, but they're against the Ravens. That might look a little disgusting to you, but I'm kind of buying into this Bengals team, especially their defense. They're fifth best in terms of DVOA, sixth in points allowed per drive. Yes, the Ravens offense is better. The RB core, though, is decimated. They haven't really been able to run the ball well. They're still trying, but Bengals have a great run defense. They're fourth in rush DVOA. It feels like this should be a close game, a division battle. Plus six feels like a lot of outcomes. There's where uh, Bengals are going to be able to cover. I don't think they're going to win the game, but that is a bet for me at plus six. All right, there's his three best bets. Here's my three-team parlay, and it's pretty ugly this week. I'm coming off two nice parlays at the Sportsbook, the FanDuel Sportsbook last week. So I'm in parlay heaven right now, entering week seven. First off, I hate big, big, big numbers because I always 
Love a good backdoor cover, and I think the Texans are going to do that, plus 17.5, especially if Tyrod Taylor plays. I like the Texans plus 17.5 in that game, despite how good the Cardinals have been, and I know they're home. I think it'll be around 24, and they score a late garbage time touchdown. They'll get the 17. You're going to sweat that one out, so you know don't feel too confident, but take that. Bengals at Ravens, over 47. Listen, both these teams have been scoring pretty much at will. I think this is going to be more of a shootout than you might expect, so take the over by the half point, make it over 46 and a half, and then finally, Colts 49ers over 43 and a half in that Sunday night game. Listen, the Colts have been scoring lately. They have 24, they've scored 27, 25, they scored 31 last week, so they've had no problem scoring. I expect that over to hit pretty easily there. All right, let's go to your three fantasy starts for the week. Who do you got? First, I'm going to give you guys a quarterback, so Ryan Tannehill at the Chiefs. I know he's been a little bit disappointing this year, but the Chiefs, they have the worst defense in the NFL. They're second to last in DVOA, last in points per drive allowed, also second to last in pass defense DVOA. They also have the best offense in the league, and they're going to put pressure on the Titans to score a lot. The over-under in this game is pretty ridiculous. It's 57 and a half. I mean, there's just going to be a ton of volume for both of these passing games. Tannehill, yeah, again, not great this year, but A.J. Brown's back. He had 91 yards in the past week. Julio Jones' day-to-day could play, but I mean, he's just going to have to throw a lot, and there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game, so I think he's kind of a better play than maybe Brady or Rodgers could be this week. I like him a lot this week. A running back, so this is kind of bipocalypse this week. There are so many teams on by, so many running backs on by. I mean, you got like Eckler on by, Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, James Robinson, Zeke, Tony Pollard. James Conner deserves a spot in your lineup. He has 10-plus carries in five of six games this year so far. Five touchdowns in those six games, and like you said, I mean, there's a, they're huge favorites, 17.5-point favorites, so there's kind of the thought that they could be up huge and just kind of run out the clock at the end of the game and kind of rack up some garbage time production. Could get a score here. Houston also allows the second most rush yards per game, so Connor is definitely worth a spot in your lineup, especially if you have guys on by. Even if you don't, honestly, I think he's a solid play this week. So the last one I want to give you, I'll give you a receiver. Guy you're probably frustrated with if you have him on your team, Allen Robinson. I get it. He's not been good this year. This is not the week to bail on Allen Robinson. I mean, the Bucks allow the sixth most passing yards per game because you can't run on them. You have to throw. The secondary is beat up and not very good. And also, they beat teams so badly that they're often playing catch-up at the end of the game, and Tampa kind of relaxes their defense, which should happen against the Bears. They're 12.5-point favorites. Should beat them handily, so the Bears should be playing catch-up near the end of this game and kind of throw a lot to try to get back in it. Robinson's still getting targets. He's seven last week. The Bears have been really run-heavy, but again, they're not really going to be able to do that this week. There it is. Jay Lay's Plays with Jeremy Lane of the New York Post for NFL Week 7. That says goodnight to episode 78, the Barry Bennett edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to the new guy, Andrew Hartz, for helping me out in producing the show. Subscribe to Gangs All Here and Apple Podcasts and go in there and give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review. You can also follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and at Brian Cos. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Monday after the Jets game in Foxborough against the Patriots. Enjoy the game and enjoy your weekend, folks, and thanks for listening.